Welcome to Season 2 of Visiting's Radio Show, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. I'm Alan Nakagawa. Teresa Flores invented a community participatory practice she calls Experimental Quesadilla. She was kind enough to come over and talk to us about her trajectory, inspirations, and concepts, using food as a point where new community connections can be made. I'm Teresa Flores, and I am an artist and the founder of the Experimental Quesadilla Lab. Awesome. When did you start that? I started the Quesadilla Lab in about April of 2013, a little bit before I finished grad school at Otis. And what was your work like before you did that, you started Experimental Quesadilla? Hmm, life before the Quesadilla Lab. Um, it's interesting because I was already working with food in some ways. Like I had done a drawing series of apple cores. Uh, they're like six foot long drawings, just like huge scale of apple cores. Um, I had done a video of a tortilla burning on a stove for 20 minutes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, well, can you talk a little bit about the apple core? What, what attracted you to do that? To the apple core? Six foot long drawings of apple cores. Oh, gosh. Um, I used to eat apple cores every day or apples every day um, before work. I, I worked in, at Macy's as like a stock person. Uh -huh. And so I would go hide out in the fitting room and eat an apple every day. And, and I would just kind of like sit there and look at the apple core and I always thought they were really beautiful. Mm. Um, and uh, I kind of felt like they had their own like personalities or they're so like unique to each other um, and to the process of like eating them, like the ritual. So um, I just, I wanted to, <laughs> so I thought the idea of making them big and figurative in some ways. Oh. Yeah, um, and then also like my own humor about um, like there was this ad on the back of a bus about Bobby Salazar's, this restaurant in Fresno, and they would put like this chili pepper and on the chili pepper, um, it kind of looked like the Virgin Mary. And so I was reminded of the uh, story of Juan Diego revealing uh, that like Our Lady of Guadalupe image and the roses tumble down. And so I kind of thought I could do that with apples. <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to know that story. Can you <laughs> oh, okay. Tell, tell us about um, that. Okay, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. I have like no, thir no, no. 13 years of Catholic school it's cool. pumped in me. Um, so um, it, I, I see it as sort of like this indoctrination tale, this way of like um, getting the, the Indians to convert over to Catholicism. Um, and so there's this idea of this miracle. A lot of people really believe in it. Um, um, there's this little boy, Juan Diego, who uh, goes up to a hill. It's been a long time since I've, like, thought about this story. But uh, he goes up to this hill and um, he gathers a bunch of roses in his um, 
cloak, this cloth that he's carrying. And he brings all of the roses back over to um, the priests or the nuns or somebody. And he drops the cloak open and uh, as the flowers tumble down, there's like this image of uh, the Virgin Mary that's been uh, imprinted or just kind of magically appears on the cloak. And so it becomes like this miracle. And so a lot of people are really like, wow, um, you know, I believe now I'm, I'm going to convert my faith from uh, this non-believer native indigenous beliefs that I have. And now I'm Catholic and I'm saved. And um, and so um, the it's just kind of this um, image that you see all over L.A. and California and Latin America. Um and so I saw this chili pepper image on the back of a bus in Fresno. And the way that it was centered, it kind of out of the corner of my eye reminded me of that story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But it was just a chili pepper. Um, and so I thought I wanted to try that out with my apple cores and in, in making them figurative um, and also kind of making them so large uh, that they had their own personality. My family is from the Inland Empire, and so oh. I was born down there, and we moved to Fresno when I was two years old, okay. and I grew up there, um, just kind of isolated from my extended family. <laughs> Inland Empire, whereabouts in the Inland Empire? Uh, my mom's from Colton, my oh. dad's from San Bernardino, I've got really deep roots out in Riverside. Colton and San Bernardino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have I have really deep roots in Riverside. Um, oh. My my on my mom's side we're like this old California family. Oh. Yeah. So we we go back deep. <laughs> and what? So I'm sorry. Why did they go to Fresno? Um, they wound up in Fresno. My dad got a job out there, and so we just up and left. And are they still there? Yeah, my parents are still oh. there. Yeah. My brother lives up in Washington State now, and I'm down here with the rest of the family. Oh. All my cousins and aunts and uncles are out here. Yeah, I don't know. I run into to a lot of people who went to Catholic school. Like, that's kind of... Um, that's always kind of a surprise sometimes, like it oh. comes up or like I'll be making friends with people and it's yeah. like, wait, you went to Catholic school too? How did we wind up hanging out with each other? Like, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> like my family's not very Catholic. My, my, oh. my dad went to Catholic school, but uh -huh. like if we ever went to church, he'd like bring a book and, <laughs> and like read a book while we're there, you know, so that didn't really go over well, you know? <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I love ch I love going to church. I get a lot of reading done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great place to focus. <laughs> she started a book club like the last four pews, you know. <laughs> like, what's up with the last four pews? That's a book club. <laughs> it's the Flores Reading Club. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a future performance art piece. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's as Catholic as we got. <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool.
Yeah, that was kind of kind of like on my way out through um, grad school because it was such a change, like living in Fresno for like 30 years and then coming down to L.A. and knowing that my family was there and I can visit my grandfather and things like that. Um, and I still had like these ties to my roots and even like this way of reconnecting, but still being in this whole new area, especially because Otis is in West L.A., and that being like my my home center in LA, it was like, where, why do all these people have all this money? Where did it come from? Why is everything so nice? Mm-hmm. Um, I was living in Westchester. There was like no trash or graffiti anywhere. I'd never lived anywhere like that. It was really strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody was shopping at Trader Joe's. And like there's a Trader Joe's in Fresno and I think I'd been there once or twice, but um, I got really curious about it just to why everybody would shop at Trader Joe's. Um, And so that also became part of the curiosity within my practice was looking at these differences between uh, coming from the Central Valley and um, what my friends and I were interested in. Um, and what was like maybe culturally acceptable to eat. Um, and then um, coming out to LA for art school and sitting at this like f- fancy picnic table and there's brie and grapes and crackers on the table while we talk about art. It was just really mind blowing of an experience. Um, so, so the Quesadilla Lab was really kind of me saying one day like, uh okay i'm gonna go buy some fancy cheese at trader joe's just for the hell of it and um you know just see what i can do with it and then i didn't know what to do with it and the only thing i really knew how to do with cheese was make a quesadilla so that was what i did and um it was like this weird blueberry cheese like this blueberry stilton cheese or something oh yeah and good yeah yeah yeah, it was good and i just kind of like folded it into like a tortilla and burned it on the stove and took off and went to class and then i'm like sitting there and i'm like oh my god what did i just do (laughs) so you look you look you're looking at the quesadilla just like you looked at the apple core yeah (laughs) yeah i guess i kind of meditate on my food Is it there's a like a co- com- commune, like a communal thing? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. Well, because I was just kind of looking at the food, like, what did I just do? Like, there will would be people who would be upset with me for putting this kind of cheese in a quesadilla. You know, like I'm I'm breaking some kind of cultural tradition wow. or this traditional recipe. Um, and then I thought about also um, just like. In general, I, I have dietary restrictions, you know, even before today when I came in and couldn't drink the lemon soda. Um, you know, I always have to find ways to adapt what I'm eating, what I what, what my body can and cannot handle, um, and what I prefer to eat or what culturally is, uh, like, the things that my grandma used to cook, that she showed me how to cook, that I cook and I'm happy about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I can't always eat those things. So then I thought, okay, this isn't just me. This is a larger issue with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of that, um, 
I was also learning about my roots as a Californio and thinking about this idea of uh, Chicano identity and how um, these things change over time, over generations, the ways that things get handed down or adapted mm -hmm. for what we have access to or, you know, what our bodies can handle. Um, and so I thought, it, why don't I make a space, like an experimental quesadilla lab space for people to try out these foods that maybe they wouldn't normally eat or they wouldn't buy at the grocery store um, and to like adapt and share those spaces with each other because we do it at home and it's in private um, and it's, you know, with whoever we, we live with. Um, and they're these very private practices. Um, and so sometimes when we take them outside of the home, they seem kind of weird or unacceptable or like nobody's really going to understand. Um, and so I thought maybe we could make this like public space for people to try out these things. Speaking of chefs, of course, uh, Anthony Bourdain mm -hmm. died last week. Did, mm -hmm. were, did you watch any of that? I've seen shows. I've seen some of his shows. Um, I especially I mean there was the one he did about Mexican food in L.A. Oh. and um, that one just really made me so happy to see to to see it on TV and being shared with the world. Because right. um, there's these ideas about Mexican food and people really draw borders around around what is and isn't Mexican food and oh. California was Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the food that we have here is definitely a regional version of Mexican food. Mm. Yeah. What makes California Mexican food Cal uh, California Mexican food? Ooh, I think we're still defining that. There's like this really rich movement happening right now in Southern California with Mexican food. Uh -huh. um, you, there's restaurants like Broken Spanish and uh what's the one in in orange county oh i can't remember its name um but these chefs are really experimenting with like um ideas of health mm. um using more fresher foods kind of in this way uh and and then up in the bay area they talk about decolonizing decolonizing your diet decolonizing mexican food because um, when the Spanish arrived, they brought with them a bunch of cows, pork. So all this dairy came in. They brought the grains in. So we started eating things like flour tortillas. Um, and so before all that, everything was really plant-based. Changed the diet a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. So is part of this movement to go back to that? Mm, I don't know that we can really go back to it totally. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it is embracing the way that it was before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, em embracing the foods that we have that are, that belong, that are native to, to the Americas mm -hmm. and incorporating those back into our foods. Has experimental quesadilla um approach this subject matter oh yes in what way yes so. um so i'm always changing up the format um and it started out i was using uh working with guest chefs and so the chefs would bring their own specialties in so i had 
like Ricardo and um, I had a vegan chefs, um, different people with kind of more health perspectives working in there. Um, and then when I pick out the foods or I ask other people to pick out the foods, um, we'll go to Mexican markets or we'll go to farmers markets. Um, and we try to find things like epazote and um, what else? Just like more fresher cheeses, Mexican cheeses to add in there. Um, yeah. What makes a cheese fresher than another? What? How, yeah. How are you making that differentiation? Um, well, there's there's like um, like a queso fresco. Like those are really watery. Okay. Um, Sorry about the dog. <laughs> okay. All good. Um, so like queso fresco is really a watery cheese. Um, it's, it's softer. Um, and that kind of cheese you can find um, around the world. Like in, oh. yeah, like in Europe, in the Middle East. There's, it's kind of the same cheese with different names. Um, but of course, it, the flavor of it varies because mm -hmm. there's, you know, it's from different parts of the world. Uh, different animals, different ways of the animals consuming foods, so that changes the flavor. Uh. Oh, um, so all the past uh, labs, they're online? Can I have you... photos of them uh -huh. online. Um, I have... have a website? You know, I have a website that's kind of been built up, but it hasn't fully launched yet. Oh. Um, I have my own website, and I have I have some photos of the lab on my website, but mm -hmm. I also have a Quesadilla Lab Instagram, oh. and that's where most of the photos are. So that's where I've seen most of it, right? Yeah, yeah, so. on there in, on the Instagram, yeah. And what what is it on Instagram? It is Experimental Quesadilla Lab. Okay. All of those letters. And your website is. My website is TeresaFloresStudio.com. Oh, good. And there's a link to the Instagram from there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. Mm -hmm. hmm. And didn't you do this, like, in another country? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, I did like, a, a little mini test run lab. Yeah. Um, I was in Berlin last year. Oh. Uh, studying theory for the Sazfi Summer Institute of Art. And um, we would have potlucks every day for lunch. Or, well, you know, we would take turns making foods for each other. And so when it was my turn, um, I went to the market and I bought tortillas in Berlin, which are nowhere near the tortillas that we have in California they had um they had like flour tortillas but they they were made not the same that we have them but they were some sort of flour tortilla um and they labeled them California wraps oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so I bought some California wraps and then they had some other tortillas that that they made with linseed in them that was interesting um, and so I also bought some German cheeses. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so we made quesadillas there. They were pretty good. Huh. 
California wraps. <laughs> so a wrap, it's pretty much a tortilla, isn't it? Yeah. Like, where did the wrap come from? I don't remember growing up and having wraps. That, that appeared at some point, right? Like late 80s or, yeah. 90s or something like that. Yeah, I remember hearing about wraps in the late 80s. And, and just even as a little kid, I was like... The wrap, that's a tortilla. <laughs> they just don't want to say tortilla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that part of that colonizing um, investigation that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, the, I guess that's just part of the way that, yeah, 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 culture gets appropriated in and people find it acceptable to eat a tortilla if it's called a wrap. Of course, I I have to ask, what would have been some of the more extravagantly strange things that you've put in a quesadilla oh my goodness there's been some really interesting things um the last lab that we had was at fresno city college and um we went to fresno deli (laughs) we went to fresno deli and um fresno deli is um a lot of middle eastern mediterranean foods are there it's uh one of the older delis in fresno and we bought this cheese um that was it's an egyptian cheese and it's very dry it's very strong very crumbly cheese and the woman at the deli really didn't want to even let me sample it because she's like there's no way that you're gonna like this cheese like i don't even want to no no just no nobody eats that cheese except for egyptian people and I was like, well, just let me let me just try this cheese, you know. Um, so she she gave me the cheese, and you know, it was very dry and crumbly. And I'd never tasted a cheese like that. Um, so that that was probably like the cheese that somebody's given me the most resistance about, I guess, in a way where she was very convinced that like there's only Egyptian people who like the cheese not you know so um um a friend of mine but wait a minute so uh-huh. but you bought it i bought it and you and then people tried it i tried yeah i bought it and i shared it with people because that go? well because there's it's not like there wasn't gonna be people present who the cheese was not familiar to them you know, <laughs> um, like there, because it's an Armenian deli, it's a Middle Eastern deli, it's a Greek deli. There's people who have had that before. And so, I mean, it wasn't that I was like, look, I brought you this strange cheese. You know, it was more like, hey, I went to Fresno Deli and I got this cheese and maybe you've had it before. And they're like, oh, yes, I've had this cheese before. <laughs> right. um, you, have you ever had it in a quesadilla? I don't think they had tried oh, that, no, right. but people did try it that day. Um, strange to me was, um, uh, cause I have, I get a lot of help with people picking out items. So one of my friends, um, she basically bought everything that goes in a frozen yogurt bar, but it went into the quesadilla lab. So she got like marshmallows and like chocolate and, um, uh, fruit roll-ups and gummy worms and just, just a lot of like stuff that you would top your frozen yogurt with 
Okay. And um, and so kids really like that, and they mixed it with cheese. And according to Cello, one of them was really good. Mountain made something crazy. <laughs> Mountain is <laughs> her our son. Friend Cello's son. Yeah. <laughs> Cello Montoya. Yeah. Yeah. Who was uh, formerly on staff at Otis mm-hmm. for the um, uh, that program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm graduated from mm-hmm. what was the name of that program public practice mass it's an M- mfa it's an mfa program yeah and, uh, um, and it was sort of founded by suzanne lacy basically right? yes yeah. yeah all right i like to dream big unlimited budget for the quesadilla lab um we would have quesadilla labs in in neighborhoods just kind of popping up in trucks to do a lab. Um, and we would have people like sitting down and we would all talk. I like to have people talk, bringing neighbors together to talk. Mm. I really enjoy that. I do that with my neighbors. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah, just bringing people together to sit down and talk over the quesadillas. Because it's one thing that we have these these uh, food trucks and people are lined up to get the food. But um, to have them have a conversation even just for like five or ten minutes, mm. you know, while they're enjoying something that's kind of a snack but not totally a meal. Um, I think that that would make a... a People can can make friends. That's the thing about art. You know, you have these conversations about them, about art, and interact with each other. That's what I like, is the interaction part. How do you encourage that to happen during experimental quesadilla? Um, let me see. Like, do you, you usually announce it's going to happen, right? So yeah. People, yeah. So it's, it's an event yeah. that people come to. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard for it to happen. And so that's part of it is like the lab itself is experimental for me, um, in the formatting of it. So sometimes when, uh, it gets really high volume, um, people are just kind of like, oh, hey, cool. Like I'm going to try something new, but they don't necessarily, um, like talk to other people about it. Um, so the better ways to get it people to talk is just to kind of like slow it down and make it smaller. Um, otherwise, because and then sometimes people just don't want to talk to strangers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I totally understand that. That's totally fine. It can be kind of scary talking to strangers. Um, but I don't think that we're doing enough of that in person these days. Mm. People just kind of talk on the internet. Right. Yeah. So I think like having these spaces in person to talk even for five minutes just to say, hey, what did you put in your quesadilla? Oh, here's what I put in here. Why did you do that? Oh, because this. Well, here's why I did mine. Oh, because this. Now you just learned a little bit about each other. Mm-hmm. There's um, such a, a booming foodie culture in Los Angeles. One of the things that I've been fascinated with is... Um, uh, places that are specifically designed to have long lines. 
Oh, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. like I've never heard of that before until mm-hmm. this foodie culture came to Los Angeles <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, conversations like, have you ever gone to that place? I go, no, the line's always long. I know it's always long. Right. And then finding out that it's designed to be long. Yeah. Like it's a date thing. Right. It's for people. It's like uh, it, it's to promote mm-hmm. interaction and communication. Mm-hmm. So. God, maybe four or five people helping me out. That's the key thing about this lab is like, I need help. <laughs> like, I can't just do it on my own. Um, but but um, I was making quesadillas and um, Devra from Fresno State, Dr. Devra Saxton, um, she was there and she was talking with people about what they were going to put in their quesadilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of telling them more about the project and uh, like things to consider. Uh, just kind of think outside the box when you're getting the quesadilla. It's not just kind of your average thing, you know, because it's, it's, sometimes people want to think about it more like it's like Chipotle or like Subway or something. And oh. like, like they can just kind of like assemble this. Like, no, 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 this is an art. Like, we want you to just kind of think about it differently and really challenge yourself and try something new. Let's you- see. I mean, it's been going for five years. <laughs> And uh, that's been really amazing. Um, Congratulations. Part, thank you. Yeah. Um, some of the events that I had in Fresno were funded through a grant from Central Valley Community Foundation. Oh. Yeah. And that was sponsored by Fresno Arts Council. Um, so that really helped the lab to grow and to for me to just kind of experiment with it itself that concludes another episode of visitings thanks to teresa flores for taking the time to speak with us you can learn more about her work at www.teresafloresstudio.com You can find more episodes of Visiting's radio show at SoundCloud, iTunes, DubLab.com, or or our website, Visiting's.net. If you visit us on SoundClouds or iTunes, please leave a comment so more people can learn about our show. Thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center and DubLab for their support. I'm Alan Nakagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visiting's. Thank you.